0: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bone market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I've been wanting to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Welcome to the world of the bull market 2021, where brokerage houses routinely raise their price targets each day, often on the same stocks, and the public just laps it up. And that includes today, where the Dow gained 60 points, S&P advanced 0.04%, NASDAQ climbed 0.28%. How's it work? OK, analysts each morning go into their offices or do it at home these days and they talk to their sales forces and they say, listen, here's something you should pound the table on. By way of emphasis, you know what they do? They don't say, oh, I really like it. No, no, no. They say, I'm going to raise my price target for the stock. So if they want to beat the drum for Tesla stock, which is up thirty eight dollars today to eight hundred forty nine dollars, they would come in tomorrow and say that they love something about Tesla. I don't make up some strong Chinese sales and go. Raising price target Tesla, 800 goes to $1,000 because of strength in the PRC. Or with the stock of Goldman Sachs, now over $300. Maybe they would say, taking up Goldman's price target from $300 to $360 on better trading or something. And you know what? It works. Almost every single time a Wall Street analyst says the stock's going higher, perhaps far higher, the market proves them right. There are just that many bulls out there. People want to believe. This is an extraordinary moment, people. I've been at this game for 40 years. This is unbelievable. It's incredible that something as prosaic as price target boosts are actually moving stocks higher. The ultimate self-fulfilling prophecies. How did we get here? It has to do with what happened almost a year ago when COVID hit and the market crashed. Now, if you go back to the big March sell-off, analysts across the board believe that the pandemic would take out every sector. We got gigantic estimate cuts and they took a meat cleaver to their price targets for a host of different sectors like the retailers, the drug companies, autos, tech, travel, entertainment. Because with the national lockdown, it seemed like we were headed for a brutal recession. Do you really want to own a heavy equipment stock or automaker when these are the first to get crushed by a slowdown? You want to own a big home builder when no one can afford to build a new house. You want a railroad when each and every single cargo line is plummeting. You want a restaurant chain when the restaurants are all closed. A cab company when nobody's taking cabs. All that seemed pretty logical if you go back. Remember, logical at the time. So all these stocks got annihilated. annihilated. It was what we call a vicious cycle down. Business will get soft, so the analysts have to cut their price targets ahead of the inevitable decline. And when those numbers come down, the stocks fall with it. But the decline didn't last. Because two anomalous things happened. First, Fed Chief Jay Powell, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi actually hammered out a plan to build the economy. Yes, Democrats and Republicans with loan guarantees and stimulus checks to help businesses stay alive while putting money in people's pockets. This was the most effective federal response to a recession in living memory. Second, despite the endless Cassandra warnings that it would take ages to develop a vaccine, remember, the previous record was four four years, and that was for mumps. They kept saying that, and mumps was very easy to cure. Well, modern science got it together. Yes, it did it in less than a year. Unbelievable. Miraculous. In fact, Moderna had their vaccine candidate ready in a matter of days. They just needed to test it to make sure it worked. We've now got two that are 95% effective. Nine months ago, even the congenital optimists thought we'd be lucky to get a 60% efficacious, uh, efficacious vaccine within a couple of years. The result, between the stimulus and the prospect of the vaccines, the recession ended almost as soon as it began. There was no wave of big bankruptcies, no total wipeout of industries that we thought would be destroyed by the lockdowns. So instead of a vicious cycle down the drain, we got a quick pivot, followed by what's known as a virtuous cycle higher, led by the endless ready-made price target boost that Wall Street's so good at. So I'm going to give you some examples, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Let's start with the obvious Tesla. Unlike the rest of the industry, Tesla sales never really took a hit. The Chinese business came roaring back because China quickly stamped out the virus. And Elon Musk made plans for a pickup factory in Austin and another factory in Berlin. All this happened while the analysts were slashing their price targets. But then when the stock started coming back to life in April, it was like throwing liquid oxygen on a fire. Bearish analysts have been forced to raise numbers as the stock screamed ever higher yesterday tesla took a bit of a breather after the chinese competitor neo got some good news i think there's more room when i mentioned that they're going to buy it today i think there's more room of course for both Tesla and Neo, and then a lot of others. And that's one of the reasons why Tesla stock came roaring back today, up 38 points. If you're a Tesla analyst with an 800 price target, say, and you think yesterday's weakness might be the last blip down, then tomorrow's the day to raise your price target to $1,100, fueling yet another leg higher. You know, no, forget that. Why don't I make a statement? Why don't I take it to $1,200? Who cares? Of course, it's not just Tesla. Look at the banks. Last spring, few stocks were more hated than the financials. group was in freefall as the Fed determined that interest rates would stay low for years to come and they need higher rates. I come in every day and see analysts slashing their estimates while Vinger really viciously banging down their price targets. But then we had a fourth quarter where trading came back to life. Volatility picked up, mergers and acquisitions bounced back, as did stock underwritings, fixed income and commodities while interest rates went higher. Suddenly, these firms are in a position to make fortunes. The problem for the analysts, though, their estimates and price targets cut back in April, May and June are now way too low. They're through the four. Oh, they're a little gun shy about raising numbers right before earnings. The Banks start reporting later this week. But the stocks have run so much, they have no choice. And that's why Goldman Sachs just broke out above 300 and JP Morgan crossed the $140 threshold. People, it's the virtuous circle in action, it's the price target boost, not something happening at the companies every single day. We saw this story writ large in the restaurants, a group that looked dead on arrival nine months ago when the pandemic shut down everything. OK, at Darden, the parent company of Olive Garden, saw its stock plunge from one hundred twenty two to thirty four dollars. Then we found out about Pfizer's vaccine and it's now making new highs with the analysts chasing it, of course, with endless price target boosts all the way up. Caterpillar, same story. Cat's a stock you'd never want to own in a normal recession, but we don't have one of those. Instead, we got a fabulous bull market in housing, the best in ages, and now there are all sorts of potential positives. Oil going higher is very good for Cat. What if China comes back online and starts ordering machines again? What if the Democrats sweep the elections, putting them in a position to pass an infrastructure bull? This was all in people's minds, not just the doubling of price of oil. All those things happen, and Caterpillar hasn't looked back since. There isn't a, I don't know, there's a, a, a three, four days go by someone doesn't raise a price target cat. Have a plug power. This Kramer uber-fave hydrogen fuel cell play just made a deal to form a joint venture with Renault. That's the big French automaker. In response, analysts hiked their price targets, and this already red-hot stock tacked on another 22 percent, and even more in the aftermarket. If you bought Plug Power, my recommendation, you know what? I'm actually giving you permission to sell a little. Finally, please don't forget the retailers. In the spring, it looked like non-essential stores were doomed. No sales, high cost, recipe for disaster. But we got the vaccines much sooner than expected, which is how Kohl's, Nordstrom and Macy's could come roaring back with a vengeance. Soon enough, these stores will be viable again. And the next round of stimulus checks certainly won't hurt. Now, some very smart money managers bet that the vicious cycles would never end. They shorted anything that looked vulnerable. But thanks to the virtuous circle of higher price targets followed by higher share prices, these geniuses, they've been blown out of the water. The bottom line, this moment is a nightmare for the bears. But nirvana for the bulls, especially with the government finally pushing to vaccinate everyone over 65, the real baby boomer crowd, including yours truly. As long as the virtuous circle of number bumps, not mumps, they cured that in four years, but bumps keeps propelling stocks higher you got to stick with the bull market. Hmm, Raising numbers, everything. Stefano, Stefano in New York, Stefano.
1: Professor Kramer, as yes. a longtime student of yours, I'm lost with what to make of the price action with a Visa, ticker symbol V.
0: It is amazing, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. Stefano, well, it you know what, with I the opening stocks, it, but recently with the 10-year hitting above 1%, Visa's dropped about $10 in the All past right, so let me give you my thesis. The what thesis is I, that's fintech. Here? All right, I get Stefano.
0: I can get your thesis. or You can give me my thesis. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to go up for my thesis. Here's the deal. I think that money is coming out of the fintech companies and going to the traditional banks. And somehow, even though you and I know that Stefano, this is the wrong thing, people are buying the banks and selling Visa. I say stick with Visa. I need to go to Ed in New York. Ed.
1: Hey, Jim Kramer, It's so great to hear your voice. I'm so happy to hear you. Oh, thank and you. I, hope,
0: I, I just know you can help me. I know you can because you always do. Oh, well, thank Listen, you. Listen, last year at this time, last year I bought into Macy's. I bought Macy's stock just about eighteen dollars a share. You know when that pandemic came? God, it went all the way down to four. And yes. I also lost the eight percent dividend. I got nothing. Now, here I am. I didn't sell nothing, Jenny. I held on to it. I held on to it like a real trooper, and I still have it today. I see it's rallying. I even see it went to 13 today. My question to you, what do you recommend, Jenny? Do you recommend that I stay in just where I am, don't buy any more to lower the cost average, or do I just sell out now, take it No, all? no, no. You stay where you are. Don't touch it. Uh, Jeff Gannett's closing some more underperforming stores. Uh, if you get, we've got a weak dollar. That could be good for uh, tra- that could be good for travel here once we get it so that everybody's vaccinated. I don't want you to touch Macy's. Let's go to um, Shimmy in Florida. Shimmy. Jimmy Chill. This yeah. It's Shimmy Chill. Mm, either way. <laughs> Jim, I'm 27, and my question is about Merck. I've had Merck in my portfolio for about two years now. I also have AbbVie and Bristol-Myers.
1: Yeah. And I'm wondering if maybe I should sell out Merck and get something Either AbbVie like yeah. or Bristol Myers
0: is better than Merck, particularly Bristol Myers. We had uh, yesterday we had Giovanni Cafario, and I think it's very clear that uh, they're doing better than Merck. They've got a lot of things going for them, and that's just the way it is. By the way, you know what I should have added in here? Bed, Bath, and Beyond. That's another one that's gaffing the shorts like it would. Amazing price target, Bed, Bath, and Beyond. 23 goes to 30 I too could play the role of an analyst this is the world of the bull market where price targets propel stocks higher so you know what just go with the flow for now Money tonight with americans now banned from trading the securities of so many chinese companies i'm investigating what it means for the market and your money then looking for a prime time to buy oh, i won't even tell you i'm going up the charts to find out if the stock can continue working higher now that everyone's pronounced it dead And. I'm going to sit down with the CEO of Car Auction Services to see if this boom in the used car market can collide with digitization and make you a lot of money. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com, or give us a call. At 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Meet the new year. Same as the old year. So far, 2021 is feeling every bit as crazy as 2020. COVID's out of control, worse than ever. But the vaccines are already being distributed, even if the federal government and the states keep dropping the ball. The whole thing feels like the world's most lethal clown show. Just when we thought we could put the election behind us, we've got angry mobs storming the Capitol building. The House Democrats want to impeach the president again. And for all we know, there could be more violent unrest as we get closer to Biden's inauguration. It's eight days. Meanwhile, the job market's deteriorating, although Wall Street hopes that a Democratic Congress We'll be more willing to throw money at stimulus programs. Look, from a big picture perspective, it seems like the world's going insane. But the stock market just keeps chugging higher with the occasional breather like we had today, but not for the Russell 2000. If you're focused on everything that's going wrong, well, the market's optimism must be very tough to swallow for you. However, over and over again, we've seen that optimism is a winning strategy. And that's why I always tell you that in times of chaos, what I like to do is take my emotions, which are a little bit, you know, ambivalent right now, out of the equation by taking a more quantitative approach. That was the right play in 2020. It's probably going to work again in 2021. So tonight we're once again going off the charts with one of my, no, with my favorite. With the help of Larry Williams, the legendary technician who's been trading stocks, futures and commodities since I was a kid. Williams has written more than a dozen books. He's got more got important indicators named after him, including one we're about to go at. And best of all, the guy's got a magnificent track record, especially over the past eight months, which is why I keep going back to the well. Last April, he made the boldest contrarian call that I have ever seen. At the time, everyone was freaking out, hedge fund managers coming on air telling you it's the end of the world. The lockdown would obliterate the economy. williams work said the opposite. It told him the economy would start rebounding by mid-May. Now, if you listen to him, it was one of the greatest calls ever. Then at the end of the year, he gave us another prediction. Williams looked at the uh, uh, historical patterns and called for a Christmas rally from mid-December through last week. Well, once again, he nailed it. I hope you did it. Many people come on uh, uh, Twitter at Jim Cramer and tell me that thank you for bringing this man's work to their attention. So what is he going forward? Well, in terms of the broader market, Waver says it's important that this year got off to a good start with the S and P finishing higher on the first trading day of January than it closed three sessions before. And why the heck does that matter? Well, get this—it's history. It's not emotion; It's history. Over the last 23 years, when we saw this kind of action, the first day of the year up versus three days before, it typically means we'll have a strong first half. Specifically, when you get this scenario, the S&P futures have finished the month of June higher 88 percent of the time. Now, that is, to me, something that you can take to the bank. 88 is not idle. All right. On average, stocks tend to finish the first half in the black about 70% of the time. So for Williams, those extra 18 percentage points are a meaningful difference maker. If you want his broader predictions for 2021, i got an idea, because you can go to them, and I've looked at them, and they're terrific. Go to Larry's website. It's IReallyTrade.com. Yeah, I know. It's kind of funny. IReallyTrade.com. How about specific stocks, though? Well, this is one that he and I agree on, and I'm very excited that he feels like I do. And, you know, it's one that a lot of people have been pronouncing dead of late, particularly with... Yes, the vaccine and maybe people going out. It's the stock of Amazon. Look at the weekly chart. After an incredible move last spring and summer, Amazon spent the last few months trading sideways. We want that, right? It's sideways. It's doing nothing. When this stock does nothing, you know what happens? People give up on it. All sorts of shows and articles saying Amazon's dead. Amazon's dead. People think the good news is baked in and the boost uh, they've gotten from the pandemic will go away once everyone's vaccinated. I've told you that's wrong. Once you start buying a new category of goods from Amazon, there is just no going back. But let's take the fundamentals out of the equation, okay? Let's just go based purely on the charts. William says Amazon's got two powerful forces on its side. First, there is a seasonal pattern that's projected in blue. This is how the stock typically trades at a given point in the year. And the seasonal pattern shows us that Amazon tends to rally from when? From January to July. In other words, guess what? It's time to buy right now, tomorrow. Second, and perhaps even more important, there's the red line at the bottom. This is, guess what, the williams Cotzi. That's what we all call Williams. Well, that's Larry Williams. This is the indicator he put together to measure institutional buying and selling. Right now, it tells us that funds and large traders have been accumulating Amazon aggressively during this period of doldrums. They're in there buying just like they did in late 2018 and again in September of 2019. Both of those times were terrific uh, moments to buy. And I just point out that both those times were times like now where everyone's writing off Amazon. In short, Williams thinks we have the right time, the right timing, and the right players buy. But wait, there's more. Check out Amazon's Daily Chart. The key here is the red line, which represents Williams' fundamental forecast based on interest rates. You can see how he feels. In his view, this projection shows us the roadmap of the future, a general path he expects the stock to follow. And right now, that path is looking pretty darn good, isn't it? Finally, Williams likes to zoom out and see what the weekly cycles are projecting. So I want you to take a look at the weekly chart of Amazon with its long-term weekly cycle. The red line here represents a combination of three most dominant cycles blended into a single projection. Once again, Williams' forecast for Amazon is headed higher. All right, so you can say, well, hold it, Jim. I don't want to be there for that. Will you give me a break? You're still up big from then, and you don't have to screw it up. You can even take a trade here, take a little profit off, and then wait to see what ultimately happens. But it's up. Put it all together and you wouldn't be surprised if Jeff Bezos can reclaim the wealthiest man on Earth crown from Elon Musk. Bottom line. Listen, the last eight months have been absolutely nuts. And when the world's a mess, your gut instincts can lead you astray. Right now, we've got civil and not so civil unrest, a pandemic that's spreading like wildfire, a labor market, labor market that's getting weaker. But the stock market just keeps winning. At times like these, we fall back on the charts, and the charts, as interpreted by the legendary Larry Williams, suggest that this market has more room to run over the next six months, and it may once again be led by Amazon. Williams thinks the e-commerce and cloud kingpin has a lot more room to run, and guess what? I think he is absolutely right. Stick with Kramer. OK, so every time some big name Chinese stock soars into the stratosphere, people go hunting for the next huge winner from China. And every time the rush to own fresh face Chinese IPOs does more harm than good. Right now, it's Neo, the Chinese electric car company that's drawing investors in. NIO's generated some incredible gains for shareholders, as it should. And they just rolled out a new uh, luxury sedan, EV vehicle sedan. that looks great. I mean, really great. But it doesn't mean you can't find the next one. I mean, it's not that easy. For years, I've warned you away from Chinese companies that list their stocks here in the United States because taken as a group, their performance stinks. Sure, you get the occasional big winner, but your odds of finding that winner in a sea of losers, pretty bad. On average, Chinese IPOs underperform their American counterparts, which is reason enough to approach them with caution. People don't talk about this, but we're going to get empirical tonight. On top of that, China just doesn't have the same kind of robust securities laws that we have in the United States. Their companies are playing by a different set of rules with less rigor. They're counting standards that we don't have because they're not that good. So every once in a while, you get a major blow up. something that looks legitimate is revealed to be a massive fraud, like we saw with Luckin Coffee last year. And that's why I've repeatedly begged our governments to crack down on these Chinese IPOs. It doesn't help that the People's Republic has spent decades using subsidies to help their, their companies gut our companies. That's right. Gut American competitors. There's absolutely no reason we need to give them access to our capital markets. That's been my view for a long time. It just gives them an even more of an edge against us. Finally, though, our government has started to take action. Last month, Congress passed the Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act, or HFCAA, and President Trump signed it into law, which will apply stricter scrutiny to these Chinese deals. I think it's a really important step forward. But before we get into the details, I think you need to understand the situation. Let me spell it out for you. First and foremost, it's not like losing access to these deals is a bad thing for your portfolio. If you only remember one thing from this piece, remember that when you bet on a Chinese IPO, the odds are stacked against you. Last year, we had 253 traditional IPOs and 247 special purpose acquisition companies, IPOs, where one of these SPACs raises a pot of money so it can use it to fund takeovers. Of the 253 normal deals, 31 31 of them are Chinese. So that's 12% of the total. They accounted for a little more than 13% of the total proceeds. And there were some big ones in there. Four of the 20 largest deals were uh, Lufax Holdings, KE Holdings, Xpeng, also known as Xiaopeng, uh, and then Li Auto. And, Lu- and So let's go over these. Li Auto, not Li, but Li. Lu- Lufax is a financial technology play with a stock that barely got off the ground. KE Holdings bills itself as the Chinese Zillow. Li Auto and Xpeng are both electric vehicle names. Those two were excellent performers, even as they pulled back from their, their highs recently. Typically, when we run the numbers, we find that the China deals underperformed. That was the case last year, too. Although this crop was better than usual, the Chinese stocks in the class of 2020 have rallied an average of 66 percent from the, when they came public. Hey, but wait a second. The non-Chinese IPOs are up more than 77 percent from when they came public. And when you drill down to only the American names, they're up more than 80 percent. However, the the average numbers actually give this cohort way too much credit. With Chinese IPOs, you typically see a handful of major winners like Li Auto, Xpeng, and uh, KE Holdings. But as you move away from those mega deals, the quality deteriorates rather rapidly. So forget the average. You need to look at the median. Remember that term like in seventh grade of the 31 Chinese deals last year? The middle performers up just 29 percent from the IPO price, whereas the median gain for non-Chinese IPO was up 54 percent. So that you got it. That is a very, very big difference maker. Worse, 11 of those 31 deals are currently below the level where they came public. Eleven, that's 35 percent. Only 24 percent of the non-China IPOs are down from where they debuted. Finally, of the 253 stocks that came public last year, only 28 of them are down more than 25 percent. Well, guess what? Nine of those are Chinese IPOs. In short, the best Chinese deals are roughly as good as the best American deals. The middling Chinese deals are much weaker performers than the middling American deals. And the worst Chinese deals are incredibly bad. Every year, we get the same total garbage deals. The worst-performing IPO of 2020: a Chinese company called Phoenix Tree Holdings, which bills itself as a disruptor, led uh, technology disruptor in the urban residential real estate space. It's supposed to be like a Chinese WeWork, but for apartments. And just like WeWork, this thing's had serious leadership issues. The co-founder and CEO had to step down after they came under investigation by the government just a few months after the IPO. How do we get nonsense deals like Phoenix Tree or the totally fraudulent Luckin Coffee last year? Simple, because Chinese companies haven't had to abide by the same accounting standards as American companies that list their stocks here. Not that ours are necessarily the best. There's a lot to be desired, but they're much better than China. In the wake of the Enron scandal, our government set up a new regulator, the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. This is an agency that audits the auditors. It's how you know everything's supposed to be, or at least tries to be, above board. But Chinese companies can use their own orders that don't fall under the purview of U.S. regulators. And that has been something I've been very upset about. Which brings me to this new law, the Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act. What does it do? Foreign companies need to disclose that they're not owned or controlled by their governments, and they need to let the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board audit their financials. If they fail to deliver for three years, their stock gets delisted. Very commonsensical. Mainly, though, what this does is kick responsibly over to the SEC, which is already working on new rules to govern Chinese stocks so that they're held to roughly as the same standards as the American stocks you might be buying. Whenever the SEC rolls out these rules, the clock will start to tick. At the moment, Chinese companies may not be able to comply, which means their governments would have three years to hammer something out with our government before they will get delisted. I'm glad our government finally took action here, even if it will take years before it makes a difference. The other thing, given that we're hearing that President-elect Biden has just picked Gary Gensler, the rigorous former head of the CFTC, to run the Securities and Exchange Commission, I think he'll take this issue seriously. Still, this process will take years. And until it's finished, I recommend you avoid the Chinese IPOs. Like I explained before, the odds are stacked against you. Plus, I think the next eight days could have some unexpected pitfalls. We know President Trump is not a fan of China, say the least. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get one last jab in before he leaves office. Just yesterday, the New York Stock Exchange was forced to delist three Chinese telco stocks. And then the MSCI, that's the keeper of the emerging market indices, removed them from those indices. All three stocks got obliterated. I'm trying to protect you from that, bottom line. 2020 was the best year for the Chinese IPOs in ages. And even then, the median Chinese IPO in this country radically underperformed the median non-China IPO. For every big winner like Neo, there are a handful of big losers like Phoenix Tree Holdings. And until the SEC's new regulations go into effect, and that's the process that's going to take years, may I suggest that buying these are just not worth the risk. I need to go to Jeff in Missouri, please. Jeff. Hi Jim,
1: this is Jeff in St. Louis. All right. With all the with all the controversies surrounding Alibaba, I wanted to get your opinion on JD.com. Is it a buy here, Jim?
0: JD.com is one that I came around to thinking is a buy. Uh, you know I'm back on the Alibaba because once David Faber located Jack Ma, I said, Well that the pain's probably over. So I now like Alibaba and J D. They have American like financials, and I feel very good about them. How about Jacob in New York? Jacob. Boyakasha. Doctor Kramer, long-time listener, well, first-time great. caller. Okay, Let's talk Airbnb. Airbnb. Uh, I the, uh, Airbnb. Uh, I bought the stock on IPO day at 147, and it's had a run-up since then. Do you think this is a long-term hold? And how will they compete with other legacy players like Marriott? I- Pelican and Hyatt. No, this is not even in the, same, uh, really in the same zip code. I think this is a revolutionary disruptive techn- technology run by an absolutely terrific management team. And I will tell you, of this current crop of Snowflake, Airbnb, DoorDash, I have to tell you, I think I like Brian Chesky and Airbnb the best. All right. Sure, you get the occasional big winner, but your odds of finding that winner are pretty bad approach Chinese IPOs with caution, people. Now, there's much more made money out as the pandemic continues sweeping the nation. Demand is used for used cars. Wow, it's skyrocketing. But with vaccines rolling out across the country, can popularity continue? You know what we're going to do? We're going to talk to the CEO of Car Auction Services to find out what he's seeing. Then silence is golden, even if no one's paying attention to it. I'm going to tell you the big news that you may be missing. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. You think fevers are breaking? I think that maybe they're out of money for now. Uh, You got to get that new stimulus, check. I do think that uh, there are a lot of people who are saying, ah, wow, I've made a ton of money. And you know what? It's not made until you take it off the table. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. the new year, we've got an incredible bull market in cars, especially used cars. The pandemic has forced millions of Americans to move from the cities to the suburbs and the country, where they can be stuck inside with a lot more space. But when you leave the city, guess what? You need a car to get around. Oh, sure, you can do Uber, but that's like waiting 20 minutes for a ride the last five minutes. It might as well be a less expensive used car. That's the best thing. And that's why CarMax, AutoNation, Carvana, Vroom, and Lithium Motors have given you enormous wins. But tonight, I want to talk about another used car play that you probably don't know about, one that doesn't get enough attention. I'm talking about CAR, K-A-R, Auction Services. Here's a company that helps manufacturers, financial institutions, and dealer groups handle used vehicle auctions. CAR used to do both digital and in-person auctions. But since COVID hit, of course, they've had to go 100% digital, and management says they're never going back. This, Matt, this increasingly feels like an analytics and technology company. And I think it's got an exciting story. Plus, even though the stock has more than doubled from the March lows, it still trades at less than 14 times earnings. So let's take a closer look with Jim Halliday, He's the chairman and CEO of Carl Auction Services. Get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. Hallett, welcome back to Mad Money.
1: Uh, thank you, Jim. It's great to be with you again.
0: Okay, so Jim, the last time I saw you, frankly, I don't know if I'd recognize the company from where it is now. So I want you to talk about the journey because you are a tech company that used to be an auction house.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, Is And this journey has been going on for quite a while. If I take you back in history a little bit, Jim, we decided a number of years ago, four or five years ago, that we needed to become a digital company. And in fact, in 2019, we got into a level where we're selling 60% of our vehicles online or in a digital format. And as we come into the pandemic, as you said, uh, we were basically shut down from doing in-person auctions. Uh, people weren't allowed to gather, and we had to make the decision to convert our auctions to go in 100% digital. And we did that. We planned on going 100% digital over the course of the next two or three years. Uh, we basically got that taken care of in the space of about two or three weeks. And quite frankly. It uh, has exceeded our expectations. It's worked out well for all constituents, I would say. Um, there's no question that it's been better for the buyers. The buyers are getting access to more inventory than they get in their local market. Uh, the sellers are getting access to a much, much larger uh, buyer base, um, 150,000 registered buyers across the country. And from our standpoint, it's a much more efficient model, and it's a much, much safer model. Uh, which is something that we're very focused on as a company. So all in all, it's been a win-win. And our dealers are really pleased and satisfied with uh, how the digital model is performing.
0: And how about this acquisition in September of uh, Backlog Cars for 4 and $25 million? Did that further this?
1: Yes, you know, Backlot Cars is an expansion of digital. Um, You know, if you look at the dealer-to-dealer market, the cars being traded just between dealers, we size that market to be somewhere in the order of 12 to 15 million vehicles on an annual basis. And this is a space that's very important to us and a space that we absolutely want to win uh, going forward. Uh, We had a company performing in this space in the name of TradeRev, and TradeRev was doing well in the past years. Uh, but we felt that if we really want to win this space, we need to double down. And we identified Backlot Cars as one of our competitors. Uh, we really liked their management team. We liked their business model. Um, and we got together with Backlot and were able to acquire that company. And we doubled down and we demonstrated to our customers and our investors that we're in it to win it. And uh, where we feel we're in a very strong position now as we integrate these companies and go to market in uh, 2021.
0: And of course, Jim, uh, when you go all digital, you do not need as many people to run your company.
1: Absolutely. True.
0: So uh, I'm looking at numbers that indicate that your headcount has been reduced from 15,400 to less than 10,000 since April. Uh, So your gross margin should be expanding next year at this time.
1: Yes, uh, there's no question that it's a much more efficient model and uh, we can certainly take down our labor when you're not running cars right. and moving cars around uh, in the digital format that you mentioned. Um, you know, the one thing that we will have to add back, Jim, is we will have to add back more digital talent as you become a digital company and you continue to, in- to innovate, 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 as they say. Um, we will bring additional, um, uh, talent back into the marketplace so that we can support this digital platform and all of the digital acquisitions that we're focused on as we go forward.
0: Well, it's really rather remarkable. You're still one more company that's come on Mad Money that was that a very traditional and in some ways we thought best way to do business. And because of technology, you've got a much better way to do business.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, digital is the way of the future. We see it happening all around us. Uh, it's no different for our company, um, and some of the companies that you mentioned at the outset in terms of some of the, re- of the retailers, uh, you're seeing them have great success as well and uh, we're no different uh, and we have certainly pleased with the decision that we made and as you said and I'll repeat, uh, we have no intentions of uh, going backwards.
0: Wow, an incredible story. Thank you so much to Jim Hallett, Chairman and CEO of Car Auction Services. Great to see you again, sir.
1: Good to see you, Jim. Thank you, sir.
0: 14 times earnings with a much better model and year-over-year comparisons are gonna be terrific. I like this one. Man money's back after the break. It is time to serve the lightning for prep.
1: First one of the citizens. Bye bye bye. Play
0: this out. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skate Dad? over the lightning round, let's start with Robert Marilyn. Robert. Is the chill man in the house? You bet he is. I was speaking hey, to dogs Jim, this morning just, on Twitter. What's up? Hey, I just got to thank you real quick, man. Because of your hard work, we're making some good money together. Well, that's what I want to hear. Hey, hey look, first time calling in, um... Course there gaming. Is it time to jump back into this stock? Here? Oh no, it just went to 41. I don't know. I liked it in the 20s. I liked it in the 30s. I don't want to have I I, I don't want to recommend it right here because I just got a double. So I'm gonna say please wait till it comes down. I need to go to Dexter in California. Dexter. Jimmy Chill, how are you, sir? Shaking, what's happening? I'm looking for some guidance here, and I know you can give me some wisdom. Okay. Jim, this company was a high-flying dot-com 20 years ago. That sort of reinvented itself as of late. Uh, surprisingly, though, August of last year, they spent over a billion dollars purchasing Bitcoin, much lower than where it is now, and is the company's primary treasury reserve. I'm looking for the best-of-breed Bitcoin plane, and I think this is it. But aside Michael, from Saylor, its massive Bitcoin Michael reserve, Saylor is a gunner. I Str- remember Michael from way, way back during the dot com. What can I say? I'm not fighting Michael Saylor in this. He's in too much. a. Uh, he's rubbing shoulders with too many of the people who love Bitcoin. I bless the idea. If you want to have a derivative of Bitcoin's great gain, then you probably do want to play Mike Rose Strategy. Wayne in Wisconsin. Wayne.
1: Jimmy, chill. How are you, my friend?
0: Oh, boy. Chill is shaking. What about you?
1: <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Thanks. Hey, back in August, I saw that uh, Ark Invest had built a large position in a small biotech company. I bought shares at six bucks. It's now around 36. So let me ask you, is Kathy Woods the MVP? Oh. And is it go pack go time for Kathy Oh, P-A-C-D? my God, Kathy
0: Woods, the new one. Will you, Kathy Woods, will you please come on the show? I have now read about you in every single looking. I was reading War and Peace, and you were like page 386 this is another one that she likes. uh, The Magic Midas. And not King Midas Reverse, one of my favorite songs, but actually King Midas. Queen Midas. Yes, I'm not going to get in the way of it because you know what? Molecular engineering, it's the way of the future. Let's go to Chris in New Jersey. Chris! Hey, Jim. What's going on, bro? Well, I don't know. I'm chilling. What's happening with you? (laughs) Haha, boo, yeah. Cool. So, uh, I've Got into the stock, uh, Nano X Image, it came out in August, IPO'd, it's, about it's up 150% since, yeah. I know they're speaking on Thursday, um, what do I do, do I hold it or buy more? Check. Israeli company, uh, fast growing, uh, no earnings, um, please be careful, please, please be careful, uh, a little off the table won't be such a bad thing. How about uh, Amina? Amina from New York, Amina. Hi, Kramer. Booyah from the Bronx, New York. Bronx, I much took a vaccine up your way? What's going on? <laughs> I'm calling about Fiat, Chrysler Automotive. I, I'm going to make it real easy for you. Bye, 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 That is such a well-run company. May I throw in that Mary Barr's company had a remarkable run today, GM, and Jim Farley's doing a great job at Ford. I'm giving you a 3 for I need Kyle in Connecticut. Kyle, Kyle Connecticut! Kyle! What? Booyah Kramer! Woo! Booyah Cookie! What's up, man? Hey man, so I'm hey, calling about is the stock I'm calling about is Kodak. Um they took the big seven hundred uh the seven hundred million, get into the pharmaceutical things. It's just hovering, six, eight dollars. What do you think? You think I it's know, what's going the kid anywhere? thinking in the background? The kid sounds like she doesn't like it. I'm going to agree with her. I don't like it. I would sell it. Mark in Pennsylvania. Mark. Booyah, Jimmy. Man, I like your attitude. What's happening? You must be from Philadelphia. Uh, I'm a
1: rookie trader. I love your show. And I have a two-part question I'd like to ask you, starting with Apple. Okay. Ever since the split, uh, the, the stock doesn't seem to be doing anything. Should I buy, sell, or hold?
0: That's unfair. It was the best performer. You know, the best performer. It was one of the greatest performers of all year. I mean, it's been remarkable. I think we got, you know what? It's a stock that goes and goes and goes, then stops and then goes and goes. It's in a fueling station right now. I like it. I actually have a theory about Apple. What I would do is I would own it, not trade it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the lightning round. The lightning round. Is sponsored by TG Ameritrade. Science is golden. You just don't hear about it. That's how I feel about this terrific JP Morgan healthcare conference, the one that's been totally overshadowed by events on Capitol Hill. Ah, don't we live in a suspect time? The truth is obscured, events are subject to interpretation after they occurred, so called post truth, and the cynicism is so thick that it coats everything with toxic waste. Plus, we keep getting canceled. But not everything is subject to interpretation. Some things are objectively true. Things like the victories we keep hearing about from, the, from this healthcare conference, from the CEOs who are doing their presentations. <laughs> Why don't we start with Eli Lilly? Yes, the drugs that they have, that they announced, that came on the show. Meg had a great interview with David Ricks, the CEO. This thing is shown to slow the onset of Alzheimer's. Think of Alzheimer's as the great white whale of the pharmaceutical industry. Everyone wants to take it down time after time. They've failed. Now, though, Louis has got a monoclonal antibody treatment, science, that's caused a 32 percent deceleration in the rate of decline compared to the placebo. Within a year, the plaques that are associated with Alzheimer's had disappeared. Guys, this is miraculous. It's stunning. Frankly, if this story had come out at any other time, I think it might have led the New York Times a uh, two column banner upper right front page. But because it came out in a time of turmoil when we're worried about the fate of the Republic, this data got a little squib that was frankly shorter than an article about the New York Jets losing still one more game, which I regard as the ultimate dog bites man story. Yes, I know I'm from Philadelphia. I don't care. At least there's a compare. About 50 million people suffer from dementia worldwide. 10 million new diagnoses each year. Alzheimer's causes 60 to 70 percent of those cases. That's why so many big pharma executives have spent billions trying to beat the thing. Time after time, they've given up. Frustration. Everything has failed. These days, few companies even bother, although it is one of the biggest unmet needs out there. And now Eli Lilly may have an incredible breakthrough. Science was golden. People shrugged their shoulders. How about vaccines? We all look. We know about vaccines, right? We know that they're chaotically distributed with 50 states finding 50 different ways to block the drop the ball. There's no federal plan for getting the needle into your arm because for some reason, the president decided to leave it up to the states. We still don't even know why he wanted to do that, which is because they have no idea what they're doing and they have no budget to do it. Today, though, Pfizer upped its production numbers. Looks like they can make two billion doses this year. If our country's distribution system weren't so god-awful, we'd be cheering the science that made that possible. Instead, nobody cares because the logistics nightmare means these doses will probably end up sitting on a bunch of shelves somewhere until they go bad. Miracle squander. How about Medtronic? We had them on the show last night. They've got a new device that could potentially knock out hypertension, leading cause of death in America. Medtronic can monitor your blood pressure and tell you how to keep it at the right level. Now, there has never been anything like this. Nobody thought a device like it was even possible. Too many false positives, too many things that could go wrong. Medtronic has figured it out. And once again, nobody cared. Meanwhile, Bristol-Myers is applying a new drug application for an experimental heart drug that could prevent many cases of heart failure. Heart failure that ends in death. What a market. Huge. What are people saying? Nothing. I can go on and on. At a time of national gloom, these breakthroughs are ignored by the media. So the positives go unnoticed. Fortune for you, that's creating some great buying opportunities as long as you know about them. Science is indeed golden, but I won't let it be silent anymore. We need something to cheer about. Eureka! I think I've got it. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on May Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.